Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, Channel Pros. This is Rob Spee, your host and founder of Channel Journeys. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you're having a fantastic summer. It is August now. Many of my European colleagues are off on holiday. School is back in session here in Georgia. Some kids are back in the classroom, but I'd say most schools are still operating remotely. At our company, we've got a few folks going back into the office, but most of us spend our days on Zoom, and I can say by the end of the day, I am definitely Zoomed out. When I joined OutSystems a year ago, I found a channel in North America that was primarily services-led. Now we're working on adding a sales-led channel. Today's guest, though, had just the opposite challenge. Joining me is Steve Stewart. He's the head of global channels at Smartsheet. Steve is a longtime channel pro with a ton of experience, and Smartsheet needs partners who can help drive the adoption and expansion of their SaaS offering. So Steve and his team are busy building a services-led channel. We're going to talk all about it, and if this is something you're working on, you are going to love the tips in today's episode. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, Steve Stewart, good morning. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. How are you doing? Great. Yeah, Rob, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, great to have you on the show. So where do we find you hunkered down right now? I'm in uh, Boulder, Colorado, uh, uh, driving the channel for Smartsheet. In Boulder. Excellent. Have you always lived there in Boulder? I have lived here a long time. Well, 20-some years. We moved here from Southern California a while back. Ah, okay. You made the SoCal shift to the mountains. Yep. Awesome. Well, I, I love Colorado. I went to school out there. What a fun place. Are you getting up in the mountains at all? Yeah. My family were skiers and bikers, and uh, I think it's kind of a rule. You know, you have to uh, be obsessed with outdoor sports if you're hanging out in Boulder. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you're also obsessed with the channel. I was looking through your background. You've been in the channel forever. Oh, and I want to give a thanks, a shout out to Craig, Craig Schlagbaum, who introduced us. Craig was one of my early participants, uh, a guest on the show. It was back in episode 17, so late, uh, no, early last year. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's he's been a colleague for many years. Great guy. So thanks for coming on the show. You've, you are fairly new at Smartsheet. When did you get started there? Um, a year and a half ago, I was brought okay. on. Yeah. And, and we, we actually have executed a whole kind of channel restart reinvention. I was, I was definitely brought on as a, a change agent to kind of rethink how, how we are going to market with channels. Well, being a change agent is good as long as your leaders are wanting change. <laughs> Otherwise, it can be a bit tough. Yeah. And I definitely had that support. And I tested that statement because it's easy to say. It's harder to execute, right? And you need a, like more than one leader supporting you. Yeah. And they actually have given me fantastic support and a lot of latitude to get this done. Well, you have gone through or going through a, a bit of a channel transformation. So that, that's really what I wanted to focus on on this call. And you're shifting a bit or you're maybe adding to your strategy is a better word for it. Well, let's find out. Tell me about the partner ecosystem that you found when you came in there, first of off, what, you know, a year and a half ago when you landed there. Yeah, exactly. So our partner ecosystem was dominated by 
transactional partners that reacted to demand that was created by our direct sellers. So think, uh, you know, Software One, SHI, CDW, those kind of sellers who were not proactively identifying um, opportunities, but reacting when when we created and needed to transact through a partner. So their value add was was very much administrative and and reactionary. And I knew there was more, and I, I knew to really optimize an indirect channel to market globally that we needed to dramatically expand our program offering, our enablement, the kinds of partners we were targeting, and just the the core value proposition that we were bringing to the partners I knew could incrementally tell the Smartsheet story in new verticals and in new geographies. So the problem you were trying to solve, was it to have partners who were, were more proactive in finding new opportunities as opposed to these national resellers that were more reactive? Yeah, I would say that is one. And then core to my value proposition was services. So I needed partners that were willing and able to build a services practice around Smartsheet. And that was kind of twofold. One is I, I need incremental services reach to support Smartsheet solutions being sold. But also it's core to the value proposition that I, I am spending time with partners that are building and delivering services because this just transaction value on a, a license with Smartsheet is not a big number. You know, the core economic value proposition is around delivering services. So why was the services important to you? I assume up till then you were, Smartsheet was delivering their own professional services or did they have service partners already? So we have our own professional services organization with our direct badged, you know, service delivery personnel. However, the services opportunity globally far exceeds our ability to to deliver that it was just absolutely imperative for example in europe and in australia and and around the world latin america we have now enabled service partners that can go in and support our do proactive selling do new opportunity discovery but then also deliver complex solutions in local language and and you know as well as we could ourselves direct right okay so you come in you've got mainly a transactional channel, and you want to get it more proactively selling and adding services, where do you start on that journey? Is it defining your roadmap, your strategy internally, getting buy-in on that? Or did you just go straight out to the channel and start bringing in those partners? Well, yeah, I actually spent time with the ideal partners. So we had a couple ideal partners already in the ecosystem and spending time with them and understanding what, what is working what do you need more of? And then spending time targeting certain partners and complementary vendors. So, you know, I looked at Atlassian and Slack and Tableau and Salesforce, and I looked at those partner ecosystems, and I went and spent time with some of their key partners and really understood what are some of the best practices? Uh, you know, how did you become the largest Tableau partner in Europe? And what is Tableau doing to support your efforts and how do they run their deal reg program and what how much enablement is there oh there's a lot so that started to inform how we were building out our our program offering so we had to you know really invest in a robust program 
of enablement to actually deliver while when we started recruiting the, this new ideal partner profile. What did your program look like when you got there and what have you done to change it? What new things have you added or, or and maybe things that you've taken away? Yeah, I would say, you know, those transactional partners are still a part of our program and they're important to us. However, we're spending a lot of time with a partner community that is high value solution partners, number one, but also it's a lot more complex. So if I, just stepping back for a second, if, if you look at the SaaS buyer's journey today, there are multiple partner types that are influencing and intersecting that sale. And some of those partners are, are high value solution providers who resell. Some are SIs that actually want to just engage the services and don't even want to transact the software. Some do want to transact, but they want to get a referral fee. Some are more efficiently sourced through a distribution partner in the middle in certain geographies around the world. So I had to introduce a lot more complexity to this partner program, including new partner types, new economic models. And then if you're, if you're really going to be credible when you show up and, and you try to recruit one, one of these partners, you, you better have a robust set of enablement programs to help them get into business with professional services delivery. And so investing in all that took a big chunk of last year. We launched our new program called Smartsheet Aligned on October 1st, 2019. So we had a eight or nine month build out of, of, of everything I'm describing. Okay. And after launch, has you, have you put a big focus on recruitment of, of getting in these new partner types? Exactly. I'm a big focus on recruitment, but I would say very selective recruitment. Yeah. So it's, it's carving with a scalpel. It's, it's not fishing with a net. And mm -hmm. so we're quite discriminating and you know, I only have a team of, of eight. So around the globe, around the globe. Correct. And so when I coach my team on recruitment, it's okay. Who are the three best partners in the UK we should be spending time with? Not 30, you know, but the three. And, and we kind of have a same discussion in each country around the world. And so when you're approaching those partners, how do you get their attention for what you're doing? You know, you're, I think Smartsheet, probably like OutSystems, we, we're not known by everybody. Right. Yeah. Well, we are definitely not known by everybody. If, when we get that first meeting, you know, we have a, a standard recruitment deck, but we talk about the economics of being a smart sheet partner. I think a, some core pillars of our of our pitch are the growth in our category. So Gartner calls our category uh, collaborative work management, and the CWM category has been growing super fast, and that has attracted attention of some partners who, uh, you know, maybe have an existing practice of something else and they are intoxicated by the growth they see over here. So that kind of gets me in the door. Yes, CWM is growing super fast. And then I talk a lot about the services engagement size and, and we have real case studies. And then I bring a lot of case studies that, hey, I have a partner in the federal government space who did a satellite assembly solution for a large aerospace manufacturer, they got a one to four ratio, $40,000 US on licenses turned into 130, 140K in services for them. And I can, you know, and that was a combination of implementation services and consulting services and training services. And 
And then I talk about how I'm going to, how I've invested in, in enablement to get you there. And having geo-relevant case studies with partners, like, okay, here's what we've done in Germany, you know, with Canyon Bicycles, for example, and a partner delivered this solution. He enjoyed a one to two ratio. So it was a 15,000 euro license footprint and there were 30,000 euro of services that, that came along with that. And so showing that some real case studies. Now, sometimes I'm pitching an SI partner. Those numbers are uninteresting. Like, you know, so I have a deal size. That is a fact. And if you were hunting a $300,000 services engagement, you know, I hope we have a nice lunch together because I can't get there. <laughs> you know, so, right. <laughs> so that's the reality. I'll, I'll come back someday, maybe when I have a bigger deal size, but my deal size is what it is. Yeah. And that's being upfront right out of the gate. Because what doesn't do either of you any good to recruit a partner where it's not the right fit? They're going to be disappointed and, and so will you. Yep, exactly. So that, that kind of defines your business model, defines the types of partners you're attracting. And are you primarily going after partners who can do that service delivery as opposed to partners who might just be more sales focused? Not, not reactive in a national reseller point of view, but you know there are more sales-led partners that are maybe not as interested in the service work. Right. I, I have to, for our economic value proposition to work, my partner has to want to deliver some services. Mm -hmm. That the transaction value of just selling 20, 30, 50 seats of, of Smartsheet is not going to be an interesting economic value proposition long-term. That you, Unless you, you have huge volume. Yeah. And I, I, so we're not at a life stage with our category where, you know, I'm not Adobe Creative Suite where there's inbound demand for 300 licenses every week. Um, it's just not, that's not the reality of where our category is. So you have to be willing to build out unique solutions on Smartsheet to really, for the economics to hunt. Right. Right. Well, I'm curious then, what does your, you, you mentioned the importance of education and enablement. What does that journey look like for a new partner coming on board to get to the point where they are, you know, technically competent and can do that services work? Yeah. Um, you know, there's an, an investment um, around um, getting about three to four people product trained. We don't charge for that training and we have it, we have that training online. Mm -hmm. We also have sales training online for your sellers because not everybody understands this category and the ideal targets and what are the personas and and how do people buy this new category you know and how do i describe complex project management the capabilities and extensibility of smartsheet are significant and we have 2000 different use cases in different LOBs around the world and that's a that's like <laughs> you, a blessing. you sound like outsystems we it's like we can do everything in right it's but a it's a curse right yeah, because because yeah. you walk out and like did did that story land you know like <laughs> I sold him the whole grocery store and he really only needed to be in one aisle. And, you know, one part of the value prop that a lot of IT sellers, um, so we, we just landed a new partner in Germany and he has fantastic legacy penetration in IT, in German automotive. And yes. IT, IT, IT. And, you know, he sold all kinds of data center tools. But what's interesting to him is with Smartsheet, oh, I now have a story that, that hunts in with the CMO, with the CFO, with the COO, that I have an ops story. I have marketing automation story with Smartsheet that this 
yeah, you're the glue that can bring together some of these systems of record and accelerate their productivity with marketing transformation. And I've heard that, but I haven't had a an arrow in my quiver up until now that I can go talk to that. And you know what a lot of these partners are recognizing is as that IT as the technology spend has migrated out of IT and that the whole company has technology challenges that they want to invest in, they have to have um, solutions for that. And if, and if mm -hmm. I was only selling at Lazian or Tableau, I might have really been in an IT vertical swim lane and I want to I want to have bigger, broader stories. Yeah. You know, one of the challenges I face, Steve, is, you know, going out and looking for these partners who can do both sales and delivery, you do run into across a lot of companies that are, have traditionally been selling into it and you, you need to, to help them get into the business line of business. They don't have those relationships yet. They're so their relationships are on the it side. They, they're not as used to talking about the, the business challenges as, as opposed to the it challenges. Are you facing that as well? And, and if so, how do you, how are you overcoming that? Yeah, so we definitely have training that specifically speaks to that. For example, how do I talk to marketing? How does Smartsheet work with Adobe Experience Manager and Marketo and some of the other incumbent tools that I know are already installed in that? You know, what is when that CMO says, damn, he's actually talking about a digital asset manager, you know, don't. <laughs> that, uh, so, so we have training that actually teaches them how to do that. And then we also are trying to enable them to do net new opportunity discovery with some, you know, digital and social marketing tools. And we're, we're trying to help partners tell a thought leadership story as opposed to a product story so that they can intersect that buyer's journey at the top of the funnel with some partner embedded thought leadership. Yeah. Telling that story, what, what are you doing on the marketing side for marketing enablement? Is that all done by your company or are you getting some assistance from different agencies? We have a team, we have a channel marketing team and we're giving some high touch to our our partners to help them build out these campaigns and and these stories and and then we actually are uh, fairly effective at bringing um, acquisition tactic best practices to our partners so you know smartsheet sells direct and we bring that hey here's what works to convert a trial lead to to a paying subscriber and we are seeing great traction with user groups with paid search with this kind of thought leadership content, we are not seeing traction with you know these two or three other things. So for example, we have a new program where if I, somebody comes to our website and wants to activate a free trial, we can actually affiliate that free trial to a partner, that it came from a partner campaign and that, so we segregate that lead to the partner because free trials for SaaS software are a big deal and it's a very important acquisition tactic and we want to we're, we're pulling the partner community in on that on that game as well yeah and that's so important steve i i was a splunk reseller in my past and they had that they you know their their strategy was definitely the freemium approach and that first land was so important so when they en enabled us as a reseller to be able to promote that that free download and get attributed to it and then start following up on us lead that was huge for us as a partner the other thing we're doing is is bringing the keyword strings that convert for paid search. We're bringing that insight to our partners, and especially in geographies where 
we're not executing our paid search campaigns in non-English and our partners have have some skills in that local language. We want to say, hey, these three words convert and they sell reasonably at a, you know, a reasonable ROI price. We'll you know, co-fund a, pay, a paid search campaign in Spanish for Latin America with you. And that's been effective too, because obviously search organic and paid drives a, a lot of inbound. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you're having success with that. I've got to take a look at that. So we've covered sales enablement, technical enablement, marketing enablement. Let's go back to the professional services. A big challenge a lot of people face in this role is competing with their own internal PS. And, you know, that's just such a challenge. Are you finding any of that or what, what role is your PS playing in this channel strategy? Yeah, and I've definitely experienced that in past careers where mm-hmm. it, it was it was a lot of friction. Um, and the amazing thing we have at Smartsheet is a fantastic collaboration with our own PS organization. And our category is growing so fast and the demand for services is so strong that we are able to, to cohabitate and co-sell and co-market. In fact, our services organization helped out, helped me develop the curriculum for a professional services certification um, for our partners. So, so we've actually taken the best practices of, of our professional services engagements and are bringing that to the partner community. So for example, how to scope a, a smart sheet engagement, here is where we have found things go off the rails. And, and here is the core questions to ask and the timelines and the best practices we have seen to architect a services engagement for success. And so our partners are very appreciative and and engaged when we bring that level of detailed content to them so that they are building profitable services engagements with with their prospects. So it, it's it's been quite collaborative. We also have a program, for example, for our more complex products where our partners actually shadow our own PS. So I was so going to ask you about shadowing. Yeah. So we have, um, it will be on partner paper. Um, it's his first engagement with a complex install. And we have, um, this is actually a pilot where we're working on where the partner then subs part of the engagement to Smartsheet and they're able to shadow our consultants who are architecting the solution. And, uh, and, you know, RPS gets paid for that, of course, and mm-hmm. the partner bakes it into the cost of the engagement that, that he has sold to his end customer. Yeah, we've been experimenting with that and subbing in both directions, whether it's on our paper, our partner paper, but specifically to, to increase the skill set of our partners as, as they get ramped up and start doing more complex engagements. And, and by the way, the partners are embracing that, right? They're mm-hmm. willing to invest. They want the engagement to go well, too. And some of these are Fortune 500 engagements, and, and they see expansion down the road. But I better deliver this first engagement, you know, with high quality. And so they are embracing of the chance to leverage the expertise. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what about COVID? I'm curious what impact that may be having on your business, and particularly in your channel strategy? Are, are you having to make any pivots in what you're doing? Well, one of the big pivots is lack of travel. So yes. <laughs> all our wings have been clipped. I got back from, we were running partner boot camps all over the world in February and March. And I was in Sydney the first week of March and scrambled back 
to the U.S. because we thought uh, we were going to be in Sydney for two years if we didn't. Uh, <laughs> You'd have to get your Australian passport. Yeah, it wouldn't have been a bad place to hang out. But no. um, um, yeah, so we show up a lot and, you know, we do a lot online, but we were doing a lot of boot camps too, where we have a full day of content and we engage the partners, we meet with new partners, et cetera. So that's been challenging. We're now doing the boot camps virtual. We did a federal channel boot camp online via Zoom last week, and we had great attendance. I think the partners are figuring out that that's going to be the new reality for a while. So that's one of the pivots. Uh, on the positive side, we're finding that the migration to work from home is reprioritizing IT spend. And there are a lot of companies that are really looking at how are we managing in a distributed work environment and what tools are we bringing to our employees so that they can work from home as effectively or maybe even more effectively than when we're all in the office together. So digital transformation projects are, are getting funded. And SIs, for example, who have any kind of practice area or a thought of a practice area around digital work transformation, the new way of work, mm -hmm. Smartsheet is, is showing up and talking about how we fit into that solution that you're trying to bring to market. So that's been a a positive is that our calls get returned from some of those practice leaders. Interesting. Yeah, we're we're seeing a, a similar impact at OutSystems, and I hadn't thought about how your product fits into that. Does it? Are you helping that at-home worker in a way with with your solution? Right. So so many companies are figuring out. You know, email and Zoom has its limitations, and that to really track projects and collaborate effectively with internal and maybe even external people in multiple time zones, we need a new work execution methodology. It's beyond just, you know, additional communications platforms like Zoom or Slack. It is a new way of working. And that's where Smartsheet is showing up and actually helping companies build out more work execution uh, professional tool sets. Gotcha. Interesting. Steve, you wrote an article uh, that caught my attention recently on LinkedIn, building a channel program in a SaaS world. And one of the components of it you mentioned I wanted to ask you about, and that is around marketplaces and how that ties into a channel strategy. And you made it uh, a case for why that should be a core element of your SaaS channel strategy. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I think it's absolutely critical in 2020 that anyone in the SaaS space be thinking of how do I help my partners that build unique IP, how do I help them elevate and sell that IP into our installed base and, and beyond? Mm -hmm. And so I have partners today that have taken Smartsheet into what I call micro verticals, right? So I don't just sell to financial services. I actually built a unique compliance solution for Australian banks or, or, you know, to align with the compliance requirements of some special vertical. And, and so we have a marketplace and, you know, ServiceNow and, and, and of course, Salesforce has the App right. Exchange, one of the more yes. famous marketplaces. And so partners are expecting that. And for the ideal partner profile that we're recruiting, it, it definitely comes up and partners see the opportunity to take something unique they build for, for one customer and actually sell it to additional targets in that vertical. And I want them to be 
successful, of course, and I want to encourage that level of detailed customization. And then it actually helps with my internal sales teams if I can point them to, hey, this partner is not only an expert in banking and financial services, but they've actually built a unique solution that is on our marketplace. We have other partners that are building connectors. Um, I have a partner in Mexico City that built a connector from Oracle Primavera to Smartsheet. So Oracle Primavera is a legacy project management tool. There are clients out there that want to move off of Primavera or move a project off of Primavera to Smartsheet. And now there's a connector built by my partner, Systec, that lets you do that. Gotcha. So when you talk marketplaces, you're talking about an app exchange type marketplace where partners can build their own IP and leverage that and share it. And, and sell it. Right now, I actually it. don't transact on my marketplace because that mm-hmm. is a, a, a kind of additional level of complexity. But I just, yeah. I link back to the partner's landing page, but I want to give him access to my installed base, right? And help promote what he does. I had a interesting conversation in my last episode with Gary Green, who's run strategic partnerships at Cloudera. And our talk was around the cloud marketplaces, you know, the hyperscale cloud marketplaces like AWS and Azure and and Google have their marketplaces, which is a a different type of marketplace than what you're describing, the app exchange type marketplace. But do you see that hyperscale cloud marketplace playing a role in your strategy at some point? I I do. Like we're on the uh, AWS GovCloud marketplace because we as government customers are are you know showing up to to transact on this marketplace we feel like we need to be there i think there is kind of a foundational question a saas vendor needs to ask themselves and that is do i have a sold product or a bought product and you know i would describe docusign for example as a bought product you know i say e signature you immediately get what they do, right? The value proposition is is super clear. I decided, I woke up this morning and decided we need e-signature. What marketplace can sell that to me? You know, it could be the Ingram micro cloud marketplace or whatever. Now, Smartsheet, you know, out systems, I think we have sold products. So it's an assisted Our sales reps would tell us that, that's for sure. Yeah. And so I need an aided seller to actually explain the the 2000 use cases of Smartsheet and what it can actually do. And I can show you a demo and I can show you some nifty use cases. So, you know, Marketplace doesn't provide that level of assistance. And so I'm, for me, I think Marketplaces are in a a lower orbit. Yeah. Yeah. It would play a different role. Just, I think like you mentioned the very beginning, your national resellers and how they play that transactional role, that might be the role for the cloud marketplace that customers want to just go there for the ease of transacting, but actually selling your product and explaining the use cases and, and building out the use cases is still going to, you're still going to rely on the partners for that. Exactly. All right. Very cool. So transitioning a little bit, Steve, I, I always like to talk about people's channel background and, and you look like you've might've been in the channel from the very start. Did you come straight out of college and get in the channel? I, Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, I go way back to selling through uh, Computerland, Entree communi- Computer Centers, Intercoms. Um, I sold PCs and board level products for a company called AST Computer way back. I bet there's, you know, a subset of your listeners that have been around that long, not mm-hmm. <laughs> the majority of <laughs> a few them. few of us, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> Two tier, the single tier, the aggregators. I've, yeah. I was in the retail channel for a while, um, selling through CompUSA and Best Buy and back when I was in the PC business. So uh, I've been doing this a while. 
<laughs> and then you did a stint as your own, having your own consulting business? I did, yeah. A couple times I've, I've done consulting and I enjoyed that. And I, I enjoyed parachuting into organizations that, that thought they wanted an indirect channel to market or thought there was potential there and had no idea how to get out of the gate. And so I've done consulting. Um, I mean, prior to Smartsheet, I was actually helping a security startup in Seattle build out and figure out what programs do we need, who's the ideal target, what is our value prop need to be to land those targets, where to start, should we work with distributors, should we not, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your advice to folks who want to get into the channel business now from a vendor side, not a channel partner? Yeah, I think it's a great business to get into. I mean, you can bring scalable reach and a variable cost of sale to your company. And I would say my Advice would be choose your vendor that you're going to work for. Choose them wisely. I mean, make sure that the CRO and the executive leadership are fully committed to a channel go-to-market model or a hybrid model. And, you know, ask some critical questions like, do you have compensation neutrality? And if they don't know what that means, then you they've answered the question for you right that's a warning sign <laughs> right and <laughs> because like we have compensation neutrality at this company and that was and you know the the gentleman i work for he absolutely gets the the channel and he gets the power of the channel and he under he's seen the movie where there's friction and competition between direct sellers and there's no rules of engagements and, and we're not going to repeat that here so yeah i would I would really choose, because not every vendor is ideally invested or optimally architected from a cultural standpoint to go to market with indirect partners. Yeah. And that's such a tough one, Steve, because even I have fallen victim to that in my career. And sometimes I saw the warning signs in the interview, but I really wanted to work for that company so badly that I ignored them. And (laughs) it it was a bad experience at the end of the day. It starts out wonderful, but yeah, it's it can be crash and burn. Well, I think with the you know with the wisdom of age too, we've all like made those career missteps, and you look back on, did I have a gut feeling? Yes, I did. Mm, was it bad? Yes, it was. <laughs> did I act on it? No, I ignored it. Ooh. Uh huh. Okay. How how do I teach my kids to not make that same mistake? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like dating. So that's been quite a while for me too. All right, Steve. Well, uh, last question. I always like to find out about adventures. And I know you and I share a lot of passions, cycling and skiing and that type of thing. Do you have a favorite adventure that you've, you've had maybe recently or in your past? Oh, well, actually this week, last summer, I did a biking trip in Switzerland and, and we rode in a single day, we rode 80 kilometers and like 4,000 kilometers of elevation gain in Switzerland over the Eiger. Oh, uh, wow. And it was the most amazing day. And now I have to tell you, I was with a bunch of people way younger than me and they talked me into renting an e-bike. <laughs> so before you're impressed that I, you know, biked over the e-bike, um, I want to be full disclosure that I cheated. One of my kids went on that trip. She did not have an e-bike and she'll point that out really quickly. <laughs> but it, that was an awesome adventure. And yeah, I love e-bikes. That is cool. I, I have not gone over there cycling yet in the Alps. And I really want to do that and go like ride some of the tour, tour climbs and that type of thing. Yeah. And the scenery is absolutely stunning. Yeah, that is on my bucket list. All right. Fantastic, Steve. 
any last words of advice or anything that I forgot to ask you that you wish I would have asked you? No, you know, I would just coach other vendor channel leaders. I ask this one question every time I'm meeting with a partner because I like to, you know, just constantly be learning and I know I don't have all the answers. I ask a partner this question. Tell me about one best practice from one of your other vendors that has allowed you to execute better than anyone else, that it's brought a, a new level of enablement or value to, to your firm. What is that partner doing really, really well? And I always learn something from mm-hmm. the answer to that question. And, you know, my partners are with some great firms like Splunk and Atlassian and, and Tableau. And, you know, we can all learn from people that have been in that uh, channel game for 10, 20 years. And don't leave a partner meeting without asking that question. That would be my my last piece of advice. Well, that is fantastic. All right, guys, you heard it here on Channel Journeys, that one word of or one question to ask your partners. That's a fantastic one. And I'm not asking that enough. Thank you for that, Steve. Well, Rob, thanks for Channel Journeys because I love the podcast. I listen to it every every couple of weeks and I you have some great people on and I, I definitely learn from the community and I'm impressed with the candor that people bring and that so I'm happy to be a part of it now. Well, thank you, Steve. You you are now one of the great ones on the show and, and thank you so much for contributing and best of luck on your channel continuing channel journey. Thank you. All right, take care. Bye. All right, guys, that was awesome. Thank you, Steve, for a wealth of information on building a services-led channel. I really loved how you built your program first by asking partners what helped make them successful with other vendors. Such a simple but powerful tip. As always, you can find all the highlights of today's show on my website. Go to www.channeljourneys.com backslash CJ55. While you're there, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, I'd really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and add a review. I've got a lot of listeners, but not that many reviews yet. And those will help expand my audience and help more channel folks expand their skills. I'm super excited about my next show where we will be sharing how to restructure your partner program for the new remote world, something all of us have to be thinking about. Until then, be an influence for good and have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.